Hello, and welcome to the Red-Headed Preacher podcast for Sunday, January 12th in 2020 from St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie. I am Richard Lanford, the Red-Headed Preacher, and I appreciate your tuning in. The sermon title this morning is The One Ordained by God, and it's kind of and it, the, the, the gospel reading is about the baptism of Jesus, and it, on Sunday it was pretty cold, uh, damp, chilly, and if, uh, you know, who wants to hear about baptism and water, you know, on a day like that? So if it happens to be chilly or damp or cold where you are, I hope you can warm up, maybe turn the heat on in your car if you're driving, and settle in and warm up with a sermon on on baptism and on more than baptism. Our lector is Mark Loach. Mark was one of the members of our church's open and affirming committee. St. Peter's is an open and affirming congregation in the United Church of Christ. And so, let's go! The reading from Isaiah that is assigned to Baptism of Christ Sunday, which is this Sunday after Epiphany, is the first of the famed servant songs of Isaiah. Eventually, these culminate with Isaiah 53. Today is the first one. It is Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 9. God is speaking. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice in the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and the dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his teaching. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it, and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. This ends the reading from Isaiah. Our second reading is from the book of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 10, verses 34 through 43. It includes a reference to what happens in the Gospel lesson, which lets us know how important that event was to the early church. Here, Peter is addressing the Gentiles as Cornelius begged him to come. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread through Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good in healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, 
but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses, and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This ends the reading from the book of Acts. Our service continues with an anthem. Will those who are able please rise for the reading from the Gospel of Matthew? It is chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Decades after Jesus was born, his cousin John the Baptist, son of Zechariah and Elizabeth, appeared in the wilderness. At the right time, Jesus comes on the scene. At the end, you should catch a mention of Isaiah 42. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Here ends the reading of the Gospel and our scriptures for this morning's service. May God give us a wise and helpful understanding of this, God's holy word. After recently undergoing some perceived criticism, I was aware of my resisting becoming defensive. I held my tongue and let the person speak. I listened. You know, I like to think that I'm quite aware of the dynamics that were mentioned, and I was going to be on top of the situation. Yet when the conversation was over, when my listening was over, I realized the person's main point, which at the end was really a constructive suggestion, was something I had not thought of. Later that day, I read a short reflection on humility. I reminded myself of what the Reverend Ed Good, former pastor of the Chicago Metropolitan Association, told me, in which I've shared from the pulpit, humility allows us to receive what God has for us. Humbleness lets you and me be teachable by God and by others. Humility gives us perspective. It keeps us right-sized. Being humble helps you and me to identify more easily with others in the human family and enables us to serve each other more readily, sincerely, and freely. So why am I talking about humility? Is this part of my therapy for dealing with that little chat? It surely has something to do with biblical principles for life, right? It also opens up our readings for this morning. It is a a significant point of contact for understanding Jesus and our own Christian way in the world. We just came out of Christmas, the celebration of the Incarnation, where somehow the third person of the Trinity, God the Son, became fully human and is Emmanuel, God, with us. A text fitting for Advent as well as Lent is 
Philippians 2, verses 5 and following. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So we have this background of Jesus' conception and birth with an eye to God's humility. And even so, when we get to Jesus the adult being baptized, as in Matthew 3, I like this from Frederick Dale Bruner. In his first volume of his commentary on Matthew, he wrote this. I like to consider this Jesus' first miracle, the miracle of his humility. The first thing Jesus does for us is go down with us. His whole life will be like this at our level, identifying with us at every point, becoming completely one with us in our humanity in history, as in the church's teaching he was completely one with God in eternity. Jesus goes down with us. When he joined all the others who came out to hear John the Baptist's preaching and receive his water baptism, Jesus was not in need of repentance or forgiveness of sins to prepare himself for the coming one. He was and is that greater one whom John the Baptist said was coming. All the same, he chose to identify himself with the common people on a spiritual journey, to not set himself above or apart from them, from these hard-working, regular folk of the time who were attuning themselves to this spiritual message of John the Baptist. It is an act of humility. It's an act of solidarity with humankind, just as the Incarnation was decades before, and the Crucifixion will be in a few years. Well, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the theologian and pastor, he wrote a phrase that is core to my faith and my belief about church. He wrote that Jesus Christ is the man for others. He is the man for us. He did not come for himself, but for the world. And as Christ's body on earth, the church, we are to be the church here, not just for ourselves, but for others. Well, that takes humility. Humility opens us to receive what God has for us. As followers and lovers of Jesus, what God has for us, and which humbleness opens us to, is being servants. That's part of Jesus' identity, established at his public baptism, as well as in his private conception, and as his people, so it is to be with you and me in St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, part of the body of Christ on earth. As Mark mentioned, this was the beginning of the servant songs that we find in Isaiah. And so it, it, it is a point, Jesus is, it is echoed, in the words of God, the creator, at Jesus' baptism. 
It's not identical verbatim. Actually, it comes out of another part of Isaiah. But the spirit of, this is my son, my beloved son, the chosen one. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. Very similar. There's a parallelism. And then we go on in Isaiah to hear how he will serve the people. So Jesus humbles himself as beginning with, we heard about in Philippians, to servanthood. And as part of our our identity as people baptized into Christ, so are we. And humility is very much part of making that happen, too. So, submitting to baptism can be seen as Christ's first miracle, the miracle of solidarity with humans and of identifying with us. He came to be among us and to serve us by his life, his teachings, his example, and ultimately his death and resurrection and ascension. It was a public ministry, and so it begins with his public baptism, and so does ours. In pre-baptismal counseling, I, with parents, I mentioned that when someone of any age is baptized into the church, into the body of Christ, they're being baptized into a body that does ministry. That's what Jesus did. Ministry. And becoming part of his body on earth, the body that does ministry means those who are baptized become partners with the church, the body of Christ on earth, in doing ministry. Not necessarily ordained ministry, of course, we understand that. But baptism for us, as well as for Jesus, is about our identity under God, together with others in the body of the church, which serve others. We are baptized into servanthood. So let's think about that for just a moment. Often there are parties after baptism, right? I've been to some of them, and so have many of you, if not all of you. And have we ever thought of having a party over an invitation into servanthood as a celebration of being initiated into servanthood. And actually, that would be a great way to think about baptism parties from a spiritual perspective. And what is baptism but a spiritual act? Lastly, before moving on and exploring the baptism, I'd like to mention one more thing about Jesus identifying with humankind. It even might help us understand, it helps me understand, the quiet, quick, mysterious exchange between John the Baptist and Jesus before Jesus is baptized. You know, when John says, I need to be baptized by you, and you come, do you come to me? And Jesus replies, it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. You remember that. And there are lots of views on what this means. Here's one. Jesus identifies not only with the people but at one, in one way with them as sinners. He's in solidarity with them without being a sinner. What was happening on the cross? He was bearing our sins for us. He was taking them on to be washed away, forgiven. So maybe that started when he was baptized when others were being baptized for repentance and the forgiveness of sins, he was not bringing sins to that baptism, 
but perhaps symbolically beginning to take them on, to offer them up on Calvary. Craig Keener, another writer about uh, Matthew, says this. In a traditional Mediterranean culture, where society stressed honor and shame, Jesus relinquishes his rightful honor to embrace others' shame. After Jesus' public act of humility, God publicly honors Jesus as his own son. So if Jesus has symbolically embraced shame or sin at the baptism, he later bears our sin and shame at Golgotha before God, who takes care of it all there for all of us. Now this understanding... And it's not the only one, but it's an understanding, I think, can deepen our understanding of what is happening salvation-wise at the baptism and is part of his solidarity with us. Anyway, it's great to be reminded of how Jesus identifies with us and is one of us in essential ways. He was fully human. As the Son of God, fully human, he showed his humbleness and thus his channel of servanthood. But to quote Professor Bruner again, the first and most important thing, excuse me, the first and most important meaning of Jesus' baptism is that Jesus is publicly installed into the office of the Christ. And in Matthew's Gospel especially, this installation is proclaimed by the divine voice to the world. Jesus' baptism was God's visual and oral way of saying to history, Dear world, this is it. Here he is. Now the story of Christ's baptism in the four Gospels, they're not all the same. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus sees, only Jesus sees the heavens open. And only Jesus um, sees the Spirit of God descending like a dove alighting on him. But he does not say that the people were excluded from what God's voice said. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Well, that's where Bruner gets his dear world. This is it. Here he is. It is an anointing by the Spirit coming from above and a proclamation to everyone that the Son of God is ready to roll. From Acts 10, we heard Mark read them profess how, Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, baptism. He commanded us to preach to the people and testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him. He is the one ordained by God. That's where the sermon title comes from. Jesus is the one set apart in this way, blessed, spirit-blessed to do God's work, God's unique work, and enlist others to tell of his good deeds, his healings, his death and rising again. His baptism is the public official beginning, the commencement of this ministry. As we heard it put, this is his public installation. He is spectacular and majestic beyond measure. People who are there hear this voice. We hear it through the reading of the scriptures. And it's only truly going to be revealed to a handful of the disciples at the Transfiguration. But still, those who can hear this realize something 
out of this world is happening, and Jesus is the center of it. Now, if I had more time, I could unpack more about this event, relating it more to Isaiah 42, but I'm starting to close. Something else which not only enhances our understanding of Jesus, but also that of our standing before God is this. This is my son, God said, the beloved. Now, it's a messianic reference, and the first part comes from a psalm sung at the enthronement of a king of Israel. That God says this Jesus is God's beloved son, not only sets Jesus apart with some degree of royalty, line of David, but also, as Keener put it, it underlines the magnitude of God's sacrifice, meaning later on. That Jesus is God's beloved son, underlines the magnitude of God's sacrifice. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So, we hear that God the creator publicly, audibly affirmed love for this royal son. Jesus is beloved. We got that. But sometimes I think we can imagine Jesus on his own. He's healing, he's teaching, he's challenging the scribes and Pharisees, he's casting out demons and feeding the hungry, and forget that he's beloved by God. This Jesus doing all these things, he's been pronounced beloved. And we can also imagine someone being baptized in church, baptized into Christ and the community of Christ, and kind of forget that the sacrament is also a declaration of God's love for the baptized. God loves us first. God loved the baby, the child, the youth or adult who was baptized before she or he even knew God existed. We are not beloved in the same way as being the the Son of God, the way Jesus is. But we are baptized into being God's beloved too, as we're baptized into Christ the beloved. Our baptism means God is publicly affirming God's love for us. We are beloved of God. Jesus is called and is the Son of God, And you and I who believe and have been baptized are also children of God. We hear that phrase thrown around a lot. Baptism especially clarifies that brothers and sisters of Jesus, by faith, as Jesus himself calls his followers, you are my brothers and sisters, they're not only beloved, but beloved daughters and sons of God. I lifted up a little while ago that we are servants of God by virtue of our baptism which spiritually affiliates us with Jesus, the beloved Son and servant of God. We're incorporated into him. And so in our own way, we're incorporated into his belovedness, into being a child of God, into Christ's humbleness, and into his servanthood. These are all gifts of sheer grace. Long ago, and probably more than once, I shared with you of the time when my spirits were lifted when I was watching a TV show. In fact, I was still at St. Nikolai. I was watching a TV show where the main character was told before a time of anxiety to remember who he was in his heritage, what he and his family and race had gone through. 
Remember who you are. It took me back to the pride in my family history I had at that time. And that was purely physical and genealogical. But now, when circumstances conspire to put us down, to lead us to doubt ourselves, our possibilities, our reasons for hope, our perseverance, or our ability to love someone who is tough to love, remember your baptism. Remember who we are, who you are, a beloved daughter or son of God, someone honored to join Jesus in having the perspective of humbleness and of identifying with others, someone honored to join Jesus in serving God and in serving the world as an extension of God's love. Someone whom God has called and baptized into a form of ministry, ministering to others with whatever gifts and training God has given you. Remember who we are. Remember who you are. Someone needed by the one ordained by God. And that's very good news. Amen. Amen. And that does bring us to the conclusion of the podcast for Sunday, January 12th, the Baptism of Christ Sunday. And I invite you to tune in next week or whenever you can after next Sunday to hear the podcast of the message for that day. I have no idea what it's going to be. Barb Todd should be our lector, but I'm appreciative of everyone who does tune in and listen to these messages, including the scriptures. Until then, this is the redheaded preacher, Richard Lanford, from St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, saying goodbye and God bless you. <laughs>